Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to four techniques for getting clients to carry out your therapeutic tasks. How to improve client outcomes by being a kind taskmaster. Whatever you can do or dream, you can. Begin it. Boldness has genius, power and magic in it. As soon as you trust yourself, you'll know how to live. Knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. So said Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Kyle, a client of mine, sat on Brighton Beach, tossing pebbles and watching the ripples in the water scatter the soft spring light. He told me later he'd had such a revelation while doing that that it had changed his life. But he wasn't there on a whim. Kyle sat pensively, casting his stones one by one because I'd asked him to do it. Widening of perception, changing of emotional patterns and new ways of seeing are so vital to change. These things come about through therapy, but the change itself emerges beyond therapy in the fabric of your client's daily existence. Sometimes when the time is right, we may set our clients what we hope will be therapeutic tasks. So I've given Kyle a metaphorical task. He already liked sitting by the sea, so I merely asked him to hurl stones into the water while doing so and notice what revelations came to mind. I didn't know what would happen. All I knew was that he had to throw certain limitations away in order to expand his life. On our next meeting, he told me about his experience. He said, suddenly I felt as if each stone was something I just didn't need anymore. One stone was the self-doubt I'd been carrying about, my appearance since school days. One was a friend who always let me down and criticised me. Another was the assumption that I wasn't clever enough to pursue my career dreams. By the time I was done, I already felt lighter. And since then, I feel so different. Life is getting better because I'm no longer weighed down. Now, this was just one part of Kyle's therapy, not the whole deal, but for him, it was a turning point. So here's another case where a therapeutic task made all the difference. I once asked a bedwetting 12-year-old boy to turn the bathroom tap on and off five times before going to bed and to notice that he could think of something else while he did that. After five days of doing this, he was waking in the morning with a dry bed. Like the stones in the previous example that I mentioned, the taps were a metaphorical pattern match to the problem and the cure. This was by no means all I did with these two clients, but it did augment other work I'd done with them and got them actively involved in their own progress. But maybe the most dramatic task I ever got a client to agree to was this next one. So Sally was bright, vivacious and glamorous, but underneath it all, she was incredibly self-conscious, terrified of making a fool of herself in public and convinced everybody was always looking at her and thinking she was an idiot. She confided to me her biggest fear. She said, it sounds so silly, but I'm terrified of tripping and falling flat on my face so that everybody thinks I'm a complete fool. It could happen anywhere at any time and I just obsess about it. It's got so that I don't even want to go out. Has it ever actually happened that you've tripped up and a bunch of strangers laughed at you? I asked. No, but I keep feeling it might happen. 
Now, towards the end of our first session, I put a proposal to her. I said, you know, there's something you and I don't know, and it's important that we don't know it. I've been wondering how we can find out whether or not you're right. Right about what? She said. About how people would react if they saw you fall over in public. Now, you might think I'm a bit crazy here, but I've got an idea. I'd like you to carry out a little experiment. It'll prove beyond doubt whether you're right. And it will help you in all kinds of other ways you don't even know about yet. I didn't think she'd actually go for my suggestion, but it was worth a try. I told her I wanted her to go down to the local shopping mall and deliberately fall over right there in public that very weekend. And to my complete surprise, she agreed. And I knew that she'd keep her word. The following week, she came in with a noticeably more confident air about her. Well, how was your trip? I asked. You won't believe this. Sally's eyes shone with the amazement of it all. I walked up and down that mall for half an hour, building up my courage until finally I made myself fall over accidentally on purpose. And nothing. Not one person paid a blind bit of notice. To be honest, I felt kind of annoyed that no one had even asked me if I was okay. So I picked myself up and then 10 minutes later, when there was a whole different bunch of people about, I tried it again. And again, nothing. Thank God for bystander apathy, I thought. And she, she continued. People just weren't interested. I did it a third time. And finally, one old lady came over and asked me if I was all right. What I had done here was prescribe the symptom, a well-known and highly effective therapeutic technique. Our progress was extremely swift after this. And I've written about metaphorical and ordeal tasks as well as tasks that prescribe the symptom. But what's the best way of getting your clients to actually accept your task suggestions? After all, some of them may be pretty out there. So number one, don't expect them to buy from a stranger. Timing, as they say, is the essence of comedy. And I might add, cooking, tennis, dancing, plus many other things besides. And timing is most certainly the essence of therapeutic task setting. Only after we have established rapport with our client will they be more willing to accept our tasks. Had I said to Sally, as soon as I'd met her, now all you need to do is to go over and fall over on purpose in public, she would quite rightly have run a mile. It was because I'd listened to her, spoken with her, shown understanding and deeply relaxed her through hypnosis that she felt connected enough with me to accept the quite radical task that I set her. As it turned out, that made a massive difference. So wait until the time is right. Then, if it seems to fit, set the task. But there's something else related to timing when it comes to therapeutic task setting. So number two, build curiosity. The way you package your task request can make all the difference. Don't just issue a blunt instruction like, just go fall over in the shopping mall. That'll do it. That'll sort you out. Instead, spend some time building up the client's curiosity. Talk in general terms about how we all imagine all sorts of stuff about life without actually testing whether these imaginings are real. Speculate about how such testing might be effectively carried out. Present this idea in a couple of different ways. Then, finally hit them with it. Suggest you have something in mind for them that may change all kinds of things for them. So you're building curiosity, you're setting the scene. Put on a thoughtful look, 
trance out a bit yourself, then when they seem to really want to know, and only then, deliver your proposal. Curiosity is a magnificently powerful motivator, as anyone who knows a nosy person will testify. This person is motivated to know things. We can also negotiate with the client, and if you can get them to own the task, so much the better. So number three, offer them a little so they'll take a lot. Actually, what I first suggested to Sally was that she should just stumble in the mall. I said, just stumble a bit. And she agreed to that, but then, as we were talking about it, she herself suggested it would be more effective if she actually fell over properly, as she thought a stumble might not be noticed. So now she had ownership of at least part of the idea, and was therefore much more likely to carry it out. And lastly, you can use the rule of contrast. Number four, offer one hard choice and one comparatively easy one. So the rule of contrast is psychologically powerful. If someone tells me it'll cost £450 to have my car seats refitted in sheepskin, I'll have to think about it. Do I really want to pay £450 for that? But if they've just sold me a £33,000 Land Cruiser, I'm barely going to notice the cost of that sheepskin option. What the heck? What's a measly £450 in comparison with the 33 grand that I just spent? So you get my point. So when you negotiate with your client, present them with a more difficult task first, then watch them grab hold of the alternative, easier one with relief, the one you wanted them to adopt all along. For example, I could have asked Sally to scream during her fake fall, to roll down on the floor in mock agony, thus calling even more of that dreaded attention to herself. After thinking about what that option would mean, the compromise of just tripping up silently would have come as a welcome relief in comparison to that. Similarly, I might ask a depressed client to exercise for 40 minutes each day on their stationary bike. Then, when they look doubtful, I could ask them to just do six minutes a day and email me once they've done it every day. So suddenly the six minutes looks like an attractive option compared to the 40 minutes, and it's still enough to make a difference to mood. It may be that we need to see a client many times before we ask them to take action in their lives. And many will automatically begin to take healthy actions for themselves as a byproduct of the therapy that you do with them. Getting clients to act differently is, after all, almost the definition of the purpose of therapy. And sometimes we can get them to do this in the simplest of ways, that is by asking them. One thing's for sure, rumination without resolution leads to paralysis, and misguided imagination can wreak havoc with mental health. Being proactive and having real experiences, not merely imagined fearful ones, is the gateway to a more fulfilling and happy life. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. Thank you.